Hello and welcome back to the Rabbit Weasel Podcast. We are on episode number five. Today's wow. movie is going to be Rosemary's Baby, but first it's time for the introductions. I'm Jared, the horror nerd of the group. I am joined with my brother Justin. Say hello, Justin. Hello, Justin. Hi, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> you have the humor of a uh, one of my elementary school students. It's the best. Um, that's all I got, man. That's all I got. <laughs> Like, okay, who's, where's Justin? And five people go, I'm Justin. Okay. <laughs> really Justin here. All right. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me again. I, uh, as always, uh, enjoyed the movie, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about it. It's a lot of fun every time we do it. Uh, yeah, great. This is, uh, this is going to be a good one. But uh, I'm also here with, joined with my sister-in-law, Mia. Mia, how are you? I am wonderful and ready to get into the movie. Yeah, we're doing great. So this was actually, it was your turn to pick a movie, and we'll get into why you picked the movie first. Um, so why did you pick this movie, Mia? It was your choice? Any particular reason? So when we were first doing the podcast and we were looking at things of movies that we would want to look into, um, I remember seeing that Rosemary's Baby was one of, like, at the time, probably, one of the kind of, like, scariest and really, like, well done and highly rated movies. I think even in, like, Rotten Tomatoes, it's really well rated. And so I definitely wanted to check it out and add it to our list. All right. And with that, I'll give a little bit of background information on the movie. So... The film came out in 1968. It's about, uh, if you know much about horror movies, you probably know a little bit about Rosemary's Baby, but for those who don't, it was, uh, it's about a woman, Rosemary, who grows to suspect <laughs> that there is a conspiracy against her and her unborn child. Uh, it deals heavily with themes of religion, Satanism, the occult, all those fun things. It was based on a novel. I haven't read the novel, unfortunately, but apparently the ah, we should very have. faithful. Yeah, we should have thought to do that, but these podcasts already take up a, a lot of time. A book has a lot on it. Uh, I would love Indeed. to read it, though. Um, a lot of the books that these movies are based off of are really good. Jaws was good. The Exorcist was good. The uh, Frankenstein mm -hmm. <laughs> was really good. So yeah, I have to read that novel eventually. It was directed by Roman Polanski, which we are not getting into today. It was produced by William oh, Castle. Oh, <laughs> um, bummer. Yep, sorry, not going to get into that. <laughs> Roman, William Castle was the producer, which I didn't know this until we were preparing for this podcast that William Castle was the producer. It really surprised me because he's associated more with his, like, I don't want to put him down, but because I like a lot of the movies, but he's associated with gimmicky 1950s movies. He was the uh, guy who would hang up skeletons and fly them around the theater for hmm. House of Haunted Hill. He put, uh, for the, I think it was the Tingler, he put little buzzers on people's seats to scare them during the movie. So <laughs> he was more known for those gimmicky things than the quality of his movies. And this was probably the best movie he was involved with, but unfortunately, he got sick right after this movie, so he was never really able to go into, um, you know, the higher step of his career. So, poor William Castle, but the movie also stars Mia Farrow as Rosemary. Uh, I thought maybe that was the reason you picked this movie, Mia. <laughs> Another there. Mia, yeah. yeah. Hey, she has my name. Let's do a whole podcast about it. Um, oh, boy. Anyways, it's late there. It's early here for me, so I have to wake myself up. And, you know, I thought about going into a whole thing about the cultural background of the 60s that may have led to why this movie was made, but this movie is two hours and 16 minutes long, so we so should probably get started. <laughs> First, let's do our impressions. Justin, what did you, your general impression about this movie? I really liked it. It's definitely, feels like a product of its time. So it goes at a pace from a movie in that time period. So you gotta, you gotta be prepared for that. Not only is it long, uh, just from a running time, but it's a real, it covers a long period of time and some level of detail. <laughs> and it really takes its time to build the characters and build this, like 
narrative of trying to keep you confused about what's going on and and it comes together really well and frustratingly and scary and Mia Farrow crushes it. I mean, there, I think there's a lot of good acting in this movie, but the the acting, the video quality, the production of it, I really, I really thought it was really enjoyable. Yeah, you mentioned the the pace. That is something to point out. People here. Um you know, it's a movie about the devil or witches or whatever, and they might get a, the wrong idea of what this movie is going to be like. Uh, it's a slow burn drama, mostly, um, with a couple of highlights, but if you're expecting the whole movie to be, you know, demons and stuff like that, you you might be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a lot of, like, traditional monster time um, like some of those movies might have. Like, our other movies have had a lot of time looking at monsters and I mean maybe maybe the people are monsters in their own way of course but not uh, creatures like a lot of the other movies we've been talking about have focused on yeah there's very little special effects or anything mm-hmm. like that it is mostly just a drama that slowly builds tension and follows the couple this couple along but so it might be a little slow paced by for the uh, modern viewer but Mia, what did you think about this movie? It was your pick. Did it live up to the hype? Well, when I originally had picked it, I, you know, it was hyped up. It was really well rated. And so I was really excited to see it. And as a, we, Justin was reading through the, you know, notes on it, I realized who the director was and felt very conflicted about it. But moving on from that, I actually really enjoyed the movie i'm sure it would not uh be slow burn as you said but it was i thought it was really well done it didn't feel there were were some nudity scenes but it didn't feel gratuitous like other ones i thought it was like tastefully (laughs) done i thought it was tastefully done and it went with the story and i thought are you saying that the nudity in lucio fulci's zombie was not tastefully done (laughs) (laughs) Extravagant, oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I had. To, I, there, I don't know, you know, Susan going into the water oh, without man, with a wetsuit right next to her. <laughs> She's going in naked in a g-string. But anyways, yeah. I digress. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. I think um, a lot of the themes about like really uh, the abuse uh, psychological and sometimes physical um from her husband um just the fact that she really there was no winning for her and it was really a compelling storyline and i felt really bad for rosemary because all she wanted just to be you know a mom and have a child and she just had this craziness and a coven with it but i really enjoyed the movie yeah, those are all very good points. I think Mia Farrow does great here. Uh, she really, she's a believable character, and you do develop a lot of sympathy mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, and she's so her, innocent. Yeah, she really is. And plus, she's, you know, she's just this very, she's very thin and almost frail looking, especially later mm-hmm. on in the movie. So when, when she's treated badly, it's extra, extra heartbreaking, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, I had seen this movie before. Had either of you seen it before? Mia, you picked it, so Justin, you no. know. Uh, you know who has seen it, though, Jared? Before. Huh? You know, you know who has seen it? Who? Mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mentioned her when we were doing it on the show. She was like, oh, I saw that one. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine this movie was pretty hardcore for 1968. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff in mm-hmm. there. But... Uh, I liked it too. Um, when I first saw it, I did like it. It was fine. I wasn't, um, I saw it many years ago. I wasn't blown away by it. It didn't live up to one of the greatest horror movies of all time for me. Uh, I think it be, because it is kind of a subtle film. And when I first saw it, I wasn't looking for subtlety in horror movies. That wasn't what I was going for. But watching it again, I still think it's good. I think I have even more respect for it now. Uh, I like that most of this movie you know i mean you know what the movie's about right it's about a woman who's sucked into a conspiracy plot involving witches so 
mm-hmm. early on in the movie, you're like, okay, well, yeah, we know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it takes a, t- a few a few twists and turns that are pretty creepy and pretty well done. Uh, I think the movie has a, well, like I just said, a subtlety to it. It doesn't beat you over the head with stuff. There's actually some things that you two caught that I didn't catch that if you're not paying attention, you'll miss that really advance the story. Uh, there's a lot of social messages in this movie and a lot of ideas that you can take away from it, but that also is never too preachy, I don't think. You can mm-hmm. interpret it for yourself. But with that, I guess we'll jump into the story. Prepare yourselves, everybody, because this is a long one. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. You two just jump in whenever. Um so the credits start, we're looking over the city, and was this New York, by the way? I'm pretty sure it was New York, but I never actually yes. looked it up. Yeah, I thought it was New York, but I've never been there. So um, we get some nice shots of the camera kind of floating over the city, and we make our way to Bramford, an apartment building where Rosemary and her husband Guy, who is a struggling actor, they're being shown a room uh, that they're considering moving into. And can I say that for a struggling actor, he makes pretty good money because that's a really <laughs> nice apartment in in in, uh, in New York. Maybe rent was cheaper in the '60s, I guess. But, <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, it was a really nice apartment. So the previous tenant has died of old age, and inside they find a large dresser that has been moved to cover a door. They move the dresser, open the closet uh well they open the door and inside it's just the closet and of course like any old hotel or old building the Bramford has a spooky history including one pair of cannibal sisters a man who claimed to summon the devil and one dead infant in the basement wrapped in newspaper so (laughs) compliments of our friend Hutch (laughs) yeah yeah thank you Hutch for giving us the uh the rundown there so they do take the room. Rosemary kind of falls in loves with it, in love with it. They meet Terry, or Rosemary meets Terry one night while doing the laundry. Um, Terry is a recovering drug addict who has been taken in and rescued, basically, by uh, the Rosemary's neighbors, the Castavets, Minnie and Roman. So that night, they hear some spooky Latin chanting because, of course, there's spooky Latin chanting. And uh, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great touch. It always is effective. So, but then later we find that Terry has, they come home and Terry has apparently committed suicide from jumping out the window. And that's when we meet the cast of vets for the first time. So a few things to say here. First off, this is really the only uh, gory moment of the movie. Really even the only excessively violent there is violence in the rest of the movie but this is the only kind of i guess horror movie violence where someone is brutally killed and what did we think about the character of terry because at first there's a pretty long scene where they get to know each other and it seems like they're going to be she's going to be a major character and then like immediately she's dead did it feel like that was kind of mm, like terry was kind of a short-lived character no pun intended so I think the first time that was my takeaway was there was a lot of time spent on this character. And then when I was watching the, when we were watching it again, we caught more of what, what, what they were whispering about. And so, you know, it, it's, it's used to set up that they're, they're capable of killing, I think. And they want you to have some kind of attachment to Terry, I guess. But it seemed like a lot of, a lot of dialogue and then there are random glass breaks and they both act very spooked, but there's like no, nothing else follows up on that, which I thought was kind of weird also. So, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Go ahead, Mia. Yeah, so I, I remember rewatching the scene and Justin had caught something that I had not, which was the cast of us talking about how they shouldn't tell her and I'm assuming they were talking about Terry, that they shouldn't tell her what was going on. And then the next day or maybe that evening is when she commits suicide. And so I th- one of the theories that I had told Justin was maybe they had told Terry. And of course, like any normal person, she freaked out. 
and she found probably had no way out or you know felt like she couldn't go anywhere or to anyone and probably committed suicide and this is maybe why they didn't it was like obscured from rosemary and she wasn't you know never yeah, i'm glad you i'm glad you guys caught that because i actually didn't catch that i, I remember when i was watching the movie i heard whispering but i didn't quite make out what they were saying so you guys, they actually say, oh, we shouldn't have told her. Yeah, they're arguing about it, Minnie and Roman. And uh, they're arguing about, like, whether they're arguing about whether or not to tell her, I believe, at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, right after, right after she's met Rosemary, then that night when they're in bed, Rosemary and Guy, you can hear Minnie and Ro it's, it, you can you can make out Minnie's voice for sure, and what I assume is Romans. They're arguing about like I wouldn't tell her, and so yeah, they're like having an argument about it. Good catch. Well, I think um, there's a couple of uh, reasons for that whole long scene. One is the the necklace. Mm. Rosemary sees that Terry has been giving a necklace that will later be given to her. So mm -hmm. the uh, there's some compare, some contrast here between Terry and Rosemary that become more obvious as the movie goes along. So it does seem kind of uh, out of place at first, but it does serve a role in the movie. So after that, well, we meet the cast of S, as I just said, an old couple. It's uh, Minnie and Roman who invite them for dinner. And what do we think about the cast of vets? At first, uh, well, what did you two think about the cast of vets at first? Oh, I can't stand Minnie. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I can't stand her. Oh my goodness. Uh, they're so like trying so hard, like trying really hard and trying to get as much as information from you, but but being like friendly, like playing the old friendly, the old person or older person friendly card, I guess. Not a card, but, uh, but like, you know, trope right um trying yeah. to be overly friendly and mm. seem like they're yeah. just being nosy but they're really like checking out your house checking out your friends and kind of like being like really nonchalant about it but really putting attention um what is going on around yeah i think they're it's almost like they're doing a good cop bad cop type thing because mm. Roman, I bought, is very charming. He's very, like, sophisticated, well-spoken, polite. Whereas Minnie is very, uh, she has that obnoxious voice. And she's very, um, very nosy. So, yeah, I like him. And she is very annoying. But they pretty much force their way in, into their lives, right? So they invite mm -hmm. them over to dinner and at first guy doesn't really want to go and it's rosemary who thinks they should go if i remember correctly during that long dinner scene um this this part is actually mentioned in the movie later but did you guys catch it the first time around what's weird about their apartment mm -mm. oh no pictures no picture frame correct yep. yeah that's right there's i think there is one picture in their apartment and there's pictures that have been taken down where you can see they've been moved or something. So immediately you think there's something weird about this couple. Yeah, pretty early on. I mean, just the way they respond to Terry's death too. Just, oh, yeah. It's just kind of overdone and kind of raises red flags, I think. And they cremated her real quick too. And what else do they do? They give as a thank you for them being friendly they give Rosemary the exact same necklace that Terry had. Yeah, that she was think... all bloodied up in. Ugh. Yeah, and I don't think that uh, they knew that uh, Rosemary knew that it was Terry's necklace, because otherwise that's a really weird thing to do. That's a whole other level of regifting, man. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, corpse robbery, basically. But anyway, yeah. so she gets the, uh, the necklace. Guy seems to become friends he seems the roles kind of switch there. Guy starts to really like um, the two, and Rosemary is a bit uncertain about them. She thinks, like we said, that Minnie is kind of pushy and nosy, so she doesn't want to be friends with them, but Guy is suddenly all aboard. Uh, Guy gets a phone call <laughs> that he has been offered a big acting role 
a role that he was passed over for another actor, but that actor has suddenly gone blind. <laughs> that happens yeah. to people sometimes. Yeah, um, in their sleep. <laughs> they just go blind. Yeah. <laughs> so Guy's career starts taking off, and he tells Rosemary that he's finally ready to have a baby. And he even has a little schedule for the best best day to do it. So very thoughtful of him. A little thing I wanted to point out when they were first talking about the cast vets are first talking about <laughs> about her death. What was her name? I've already forgotten. It. Terry's death. There's a lot of period jokes in this movie. Did anybody notice that, or is that just me? Oh, I don't think I called it. She does reference her period a couple times, but I didn't. I don't think I called anything. Well, maybe not jokes, but yeah, there's a lot of period talk in this movie, and <laughs> the first one you can miss it if you're not paying attention. I think maybe women are more likely to catch it, but uh, when they find the police are talking to the cast of vets, uh, Roman mentions that she gets depressed every three weeks or so. And just keeps going. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch that. Right. You didn't catch that, yeah. No, so no, I did. Yeah, I catch. catch the oh, you one did when, catch when, that one. No, I didn't catch that one, but I caught the one where Rosemary talks about her period. So yeah, that one's a little more obvious. But this first one yeah. is just like just kind of an old, ignorant man <laughs> from who probably grew up in that. That's place. pretty spot yeah. on. Yeah, I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, so there's I don't know that that comes up a lot in this movie. Um, <laughs> so they plan to make a baby they have the, the night there's a big night they're all ready to make the baby but Minnie comes over uh, brings them some bowls of chocolate dessert and Ro Rosemary is like oh please don't let her come in <laughs> fortunately or maybe unfortunately does not come in um, and they eat the chocolate but Rosemary complains that hers has a ch uh, chalky aftertaste which guy kind of sets guys off he gets mad at her. He's like, well, if you don't like it, then don't eat it. Well, no, I, oh, I will eat it if you're going to be mad about it. No, 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 you don't have, they have one of those arguments that's very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but while a guy has his back turned, she throws most of it away. So later yep. that night, Rosemary starts to feel very dizzy and very weak. And Guy blames it on her drinking and takes her to bed. So she's disappointed that they don't get to make the baby, but Guy promises that they will try the next night. Now we move on to probably the most famous part of the movie. It's the um, um, the devil rape scene. <laughs> the devil rape scene, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a zombie yeah. rape scene early on. Now we're on to devil rape. Great stuff. This one's a uh, maybe more tastefully done again. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's hard to know how much of this is supposed to be Rosemary's Nightmare and how much is really happening. It's very psychedelic. There's a lot of religious imagery. Rosemary seems to be having like flashbacks, maybe her childhood growing up Catholic. There's something about a yacht and boats. And then she sees all the apartment tenants naked, tying her up and uh, drawing a pentagram on her. And she is assaulted by the devil. So what yeah. do we think? And her husband's there. Yeah, <laughs> and her I husband's didn't notice there. that. <laughs> yeah, her husband's there. And at one point she actually says you know ah, this is a this isn't a dream this is really happening yep. so what did we think about this scene so i think so this was the one of the when i one of the well i guess there are like two i guess scenes of nudity i think it's like towards the beginning but this is the second and compared to the previous to you know say zombie this one i think the nudity was tastefully done because it was part of the story um and it was kind of like little, a little bit more of glimpse really of her um because uh, as you start off you see her husband he's undressing her and getting her really prepped and so one of the things i had told, told justin that i was like oh he must have moved her from their apartment to the cassavette's apartment uh because later you see them all the cult really surrounding her and chanting and drawing the pentagram. And so she goes through different um, points out that she was raised Catholic. And so there's a lot of like religious undertones in it. You, I think you see like, is this the scene where you see like paintings of like the Sistine Chapel? 
or something like that. Yeah, that comes up yeah. a few times, but yeah, you see the the kind of sinister paintings. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I, you know, I actually, the scene was good. It was done really tastefully, and it it definitely played to the effect because the first time I actually missed her husband in the crowd. And then you see him that he points out that her eyes are open, that she can see everything. Um, but Minnie, you know, reassures him that she's pretty doped up on whatever they gave her in that souffle. Um, as long as she but, ate it, she should yes. know what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's just, I think, I thought it was a well done scene for where the movie needed to go. Yeah, you pointed out as far as tasteful nudity, it's not... Um, I think the nudity here is about her vulnerability because mm -hmm. obviously this is a very vulnerable thing she's experiencing and the nudity kind of reflects that. So what we're seeing in her, what's really happening is she's going back and forth between being aware of what's going on and having her own visions or nightmares and those nightmares kind of reflect what she's actually experiencing. So the nudity is kind of representing, uh, representing her vulnerability there. And yeah, it, it's not, it's not, um, it's pretty well done. And the scene itself just has a very uh, nightmarish, psychedelic pace to it. Mm -hmm. I think it's really done. And I described it as a devil rape scene, which that is what it is, but it's not as uh, horrifying as listeners who haven't seen the movie might think. Mm -hmm. um, Justin, anything else to say about, uh, anything to say about no, that scene? No, not really. I mean, I think me and, Mia nailed it. I mean, it was, uh, it's certainly not as exploitative as Fulci, as we've mentioned, or some of the zombie films. And it, I, I, I agree with you. Your description of it is really more representing her vulnerability than being, you know, kind of on the other end of being exploitative um, in the midst of a, a devil rape scene. So, yeah, it's uh, with all the regular warnings in place, um, people should watch it because it's really kind of hard to hard to describe if you don't have a if you haven't seen it. There's just not a, much of a reference point for it, I don't think. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty trippy scene. It's even more effective because the rest of the movie, most of the movie, is so grounded in realism mm -hmm. that when you get this weird scene, it 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 hits you harder. Yeah. But uh, so the next morning, Rosemary wakes up and. <laughs> She finds scratches on her body, oh my and gosh. Guy says, this to me is even more upsetting than what just happened. Um, guy says oh he gosh. had sex with her while, he was a, while she was asleep <laughs> because he was, quote, a bit loaded myself, you know. Oh and that just kind of moves along. That, that to me is like the creepiest part of the whole movie. He'll just be like, oh, yeah, while well, you were drunk. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember agree. That that's one of the few parts of the movie that I really remembered. Like, good lord, that's kind of kind of shows his his respect for Rosemary, I guess. Mm -hmm. One way or another, it works. Rosemary finds out that she is pregnant. Uh, the cast of vets come over to celebrate, and here we see that where they're starting to get very manipulative. They change doctors for rosemary they're like uh hey we've, we're friends with this really famous rich doctor or not rich but this really successful doctor and we'll give him a phone call right now here i'm going to call him right now and oh he <laughs> says he'll take you and he won't charge much money because he's our friends so it's all done it's very pushy but it's done in a very they're smart like you can tell they're they've thought practiced mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah so she goes to the not, the new doctor, and what does he tell her? Don't read any books. Uh, no friends, no family, only me. Yeah, so the, the theme of Rosemary, I think the big theme of this whole book is Rosemary being manipulated and controlled by people who don't have her best interests at heart or claim to, but don't. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that part actually makes me laugh. He's like, no reading books, and don't talk to your friends. Each pregnancy is different. <laughs> Yeah, um, he tells her to yeah. stop taking the pills that the doctor. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, no, I was just thinking about how everyone is like really going out of their way to discredit her friends or people to protect her, either through violence or through name calling. I mean, just that's consistent throughout her experience through the uh, through the movie. Yeah, her 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 experiences and her views are devalued with everyone else kind of shoving them aside and knowing what's best for her. So again, some of the, the social commentary that I mentioned, you can definitely find here 
if you want to. I don't think it's, it's, it's too not hard to find. Super well hidden, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he tells her, hey, instead of taking the pills that your doctor gave or gave you, drink this herbal drink that your neighbor is going to make. Not so sketchy Rosa, at all. Not yeah, sketchy at yeah. all. Because <laughs> that's what doctors do. They have your neighbor mix up herbal drinks for you when you're pregnant. Maybe in the 60s, man. Maybe in the 60s. <sighs> maybe. Maybe that's how it went. But anyways, Rosemary <laughs> starts to have uh, pains in her stomach. She starts losing weight, and she goes really pale. But her doctor, again, kind of dismisses it, says, oh, everything's fine. You'll be fine. And this is where the, the makeup is very well done. Because when you see Rosemary, she is kind of – you're surprised at how she looks. Yeah. And I'm not sure, but part of me thinks I'd have to look this up. Maybe she actually did lose even more weight because she even seems thinner. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. because of how well uh, the movie is made. But she actually seems like maybe they shot this later with her getting even more thin. But when well, uh, it's time with the haircut too, so every you know everybody who's bringing it up. Um, she kind of plays it off a little bit like it's a haircut. People are like, no, you look like hell. <laughs> like, yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah, so a little bit later, we'll get to that. She has some friends over and everybody comments on it. But first, Hutch comes over, their friend from earlier, and he immediately points it out. He's like, wow, you look terrible. But she says uh, who her doctor is, and he goes, oh, well, he's a great doctor, so I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But then Roman stops by and meets Hutch, and I really like this scene because, again, it's kind of subtle, but Hutch is sort of asking questions in a polite way, and Roman, you can see him in the background trying not to show it, but he's uncomfortable with the questions that are being asked. So mm-hmm. particularly Hutch asks about the drink that uh, Minnie has, and she says it's, it has tannis leaves. He's like, ah, I don't know what that is. I'll have to look that up later. So yeah. Roman leaves. Hutch leaves soon after, but he finds that one of his gloves is missing. Um, dun, dun, dun. Justin, I knew you were going to do that. I even <laughs> um, it was perfectly timed. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I, Justin has done the dumb, dumb, dumb every single episode. Yes. Um, yes. At this point, it's just going to be every podcast from now on. It's going to be his catchphrase. So. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Catchphrase. I need right. a good catchphrase. But anyways, back to that. We, we're still in like the opening of the movie, so we've got to move on. Uh, fair enough. What were you going to say, Mia? Uh, no, it, it, it's the uh, dun, 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 and the hello, Justin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, good. Where were we? So Hutch. Hutch is leaving, and his love is missing, and... He calls her. He calls her and says, hey, Rosemary, I need to talk to you. Meet me tomorrow morning. She's like, well, can't you just tell me over the phone? He says, no, I don't really want to. So she goes the next morning. She goes out to meet him, but she can't find him. She calls his apartment and learns that he went into a coma the night, the right after she talked to him, right after he Man. talked to her, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's kind of wandering around the city, and surprise, there's Minnie that <laughs> in the middle of New York bumps into her. Minnie takes her home. Uh, at this point, Rosemary's looking even worse. Now she's got mm-hmm. the dark circles under her eyes, and she looks really rough. Her pain is, is also getting worse, even though the doctor told her not to. Um, so we get to a point where Rosemary is starting to have some rebellion, which is kind of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. She tells Guy that she's going to have a party, and the cast of vets are not invited. <laughs> no one over the age of 60 is invited. Yeah, those are exact words. <laughs> see our old friends not these old people we keep hanging out with Um, she stops drinking her herbal drink from Minnie. so at the party everybody comes over and um again as justin said all of her friends comment on her appearance they're like whoa what's wrong with you and rosemary ends up having kind of a mental not a breakdown but a little emotional breakdown in the kitchen with some of her friends she admits that she's been having pain at this point for months and her friends are shocked. They're like, look, you need to go see another doctor because this doctor is not taking care of you properly. So Rosemary admits to Guy that she stopped taking her drink and that she's going to go back to her old doctor, Dr. Hill, which starts a big, a big fight. This really pisses Guy off. During the fight, Rosemary's pain suddenly goes away. And for the first time, she feels her baby moving. And did you guys notice another subtle thing here? 
is that she makes guy she grabs guy's hand and puts it on her on her stomach to feel it and he pulls his hand away immediately and starts massaging his hand like he's touched something gross did you guys mm-hmm. catch that Mia caught yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah i caught that and and one of the other scenes too where he stops kind of like really looking at her yeah yeah she mentions that at one point she's like you're not looking at me anymore so we're beginning to grow suspicious of guy at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. But for a brief period here, um, the movie finally lightens in tone. There's this this lapse where a few weeks to before the baby's due, Rosemary is now very pregnant. Everybody seems happy. They're preparing the baby's room. Rosemary has even started drinking her drink again. She seems to have decided everything's okay. But then we get another phone call that Hutch has died. He's been in a coma this entire time, never came out of the coma. At the funeral, Rosemary is given a book that Hutch said to give to her before he passed away. And he was also said to tell her the name is an anagram, whatever that means. The name is an anagram. So the book is called All of Them Witches, which is kind of a cute name, I guess. It's a great title, yeah. (laughs) Um, And inside, she finds a line that is underlined about a fungus the de- uh, the witches use called the devil's pepper, which kind of sounds like the devil's lettuce. Uh, <laughs> marijuana reference. Um, <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Uh, this being the late 60s. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but devil's pepper kind of makes me laugh. Um, so Rosemary gets out the uh, what uh, Scrabble and tries to mess up. Uh, figure out what the title of the book translates to and she gets a few cute ones i'm trying to i can't remember any of the good ones but um do either of you remember the sentences she makes from the book's title no something about an elf oh yeah the elf kills the devil or i should have wrote those down because there's some fun ones there but uh but anyway she eventually realizes that it's not the title of the book it's one of the um characters or one of the witches in the book who we had actually mentioned the devil summoner that's mentioned earlier in the movie and when she arranges his son's name it's roman castavet justin this would have been a, the better there it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you've already used it so you only get one mm-hmm. i know i know there's been like two that were better and there's some more been... coming too so ah. but you've already uh the moment right, we gotta passed. get creative, then. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta on. plan these things out better, man. Uh, <laughs> You're getting the raw response, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the. Uh, so, <laughs> Rosemary tells Guy she's she's figured everything out that there's this coven, and um, she thinks that Roman she's he's the son of this this uh, guy who supposedly summoned the devil. She's suspicious of everybody. She doesn't want them around the baby. Because um, she thinks, I guess at this point, she thinks they're going to eat the baby because she's read about that. And, you know, she's been crazy. reading those books, man. Yeah, she's books. reading those books, which women are not supposed to do. Um, <laughs> uh, she, t- <laughs> she tells her doctor, she goes to the doctor, okay, because guy's not really trusting her. Uh, she tells the doctor, look, her suspicions she says i don't want to drink this drink anymore and the doctor is actually very understanding he says that's fine i i understand this is stressful for you you don't trust these people that's fine so i can give you a prescription for this medicine and actually hey conveniently the um roman is dying he's going to be dead in a month and he wants to travel but he didn't want to leave before the baby was born so this actually works out i'll tell him i talk to you and they can leave so everybody's going to be happy and that seems to make Rosemary calm down Rosemary a little bit. And the cast of it actually do leave. Uh, yep. So go get a taxi anyways. Yeah. So Rosemary, um, again, she seems to be fine again. Okay. The cast of it's these weird people who forced their way into my life. They're gone. Um, I don't have to drink this stuff anymore. So she seems, she seems okay with everything, but guy throws her book away, her witchcraft book which sort of sets Rosemary off again. She wanders out into the streets. And this is also kind of a weird scene where she's just in a daze, kind of wandering through traffic. 
Apparently mm-hmm. that was real too. I didn't verify that, but apparently she actually did just kind of go out and wander through traffic and they filmed her. That's what we read as well, or at least that's what uh, I came across something saying that and that uh, Polanski, like it was just the two of them. No one else would do it with them. And they kind of wandered into the streets of New York. Yeah, it's hard to know. Uh, like, I, like I said, I didn't verify that, but apparently mm-hmm. he told her, hey, you're dressed to look pregnant. No one's going to hit you if you look pregnant. So, yeah, but that's the elephant in the room that we're not talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the on. big, big elephant. Yeah, very big <laughs> elephant. But what does she do? She goes and she buys some more books about witchcraft, and um, she reads that covens are groups of witches and they can do a bunch of things to people when they work together they can blind people they can kill people so folks if you haven't started if you haven't figured it out by now um (laughs) you should (laughs) yeah it's in a book now we know yeah yeah it's it's underlined and everything i think (laughs) so rosemary calls the actor who went blind and learns that uh guy actually has his time they traded ties, so this is sort of like the final, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, for Rosemary. She starts, she packs her bags, she gets some money, and she leaves. Uh, she does this really cleverly too, I think, because she suspects it, but she doesn't know what the item is. Um, yeah. So she actually gets him to say what the item item is, which you know, given everything going on, I thought was pretty clever. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that at first. Yeah, she just says, he has something of yours. The guy's like, oh, yeah, and then yeah she's like, my tie. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, yeah, 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 your tie. Yeah, that, that. And you can just, again, her acting is so good in this movie. She mm-hmm. should have won some kind of award because you can see it in her face as things are kind of dawning on her, and she ends up hanging up on him, gets all of her stuff, and goes to the doctor. Oh, and we forgot to mention that along the way, she threw, along the way to buy some books, she threw away the necklace which uh, mm-hmm. has i don't think we mentioned this earlier but it's important that the uh necklace has that tannis stuff in it that smells really strong but she's been tannis root yeah the tannis mm-hmm. and so she goes back to her doctor who has been so understanding and she explains everything to him or no no she doesn't that's what she did earlier she tries she plans to talk to him but while she's waiting to see the doctor she talks to the receptionist who let's live that the doctor also has been wearing the same smell so dun, dun, dun. yeah she mm-hmm. makes it damn it justin we said one uh, <laughs> lay down the law one 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 um <laughs> and this to me is one of the eeriest parts of the movie because you realize just how deep the conspiracy goes that even the doctor is in on it somehow yeah uh, i remember that that hit me it's one of the first twists that i really um so that really surprised me um i guess watching the movie it, it shouldn't surprise you that the doctor's being kind of suspicious but the first time i watched the movie that one really caught me off guard um and you're like oh okay so yeah. she well, it's because- makes some Go ahead. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. So it's a lot of it. So I think they really give the doctor like a good background with many characters so that you don't suspect him because her original doctor, Dr. Hill, knew of him. And, you know, he's a very good doctor and had been, I can't remember, the magazine or the news thing that he had been. Yeah, Yeah. something like that. And then um, he delivered two of Hutch's daughter's children. So they kind of gave him a reputation of actually being a legit doctor. So it was a bit of, you know, it it could shock many people when they found out that he was part of the group. Yeah, I mean, they they set him up as a legitimate good doctor, which he is. I mean, he is a good doctor. We just know there's something different going on this time. And in a less intelligent movie, he would have been like, they would have sent Rosemary to some like sleazy doctor who's very you know barely qualified working in a rundown office but no they actually send her to a good doctor and which makes yep. it all more convincing right mm-hmm. yep. but she makes an she she again grows suspicious and takes off once more um 
she calls her original doctor, Dr. Hill, and she says, look, I want to see you right now, and manages to talk him into seeing her. Um, he goes and talks to her, and he, she goes and talks to him, tells the whole story, and he seems very understanding. He says, look, what we're going to do is we're going to get you a place to go. There's crazy people in this city. I don't know if there's really, really witches, but something weird's going on here. You lay down, take a nap. I'm going to go set things up for you. But when she wakes up, there's the doctor, there's Guy, her husband, and they say, look, we're taking you home. Any more of this talk of witchcraft, and we're going to put you in a mental institution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, direct threat. Doesn't re- to me, it's pointy. Like, they do a really good job of not giving her any choices. Yeah, and this is one of the, like, the manipulation is out in the open now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, there's no more subtlety. It's just pretty flat out. Okay, play along or we're going to have you locked away. You have no more options. Yeah. Um, so they take her back home, but she manages to break away for a moment and locks herself in the room, locks herself in her apartment. But they, they manage to get in somehow and give her a sedative, but all the excitement causes her to go into labor. Um, so she gives birth unconscious, I guess. Um, and when she wakes up, she is told, well, it's kind of weird here because at first they tell her that every guy tells her everything's fine. Yeah. First she sees guy. He says, he's smiling and says, everything's okay. Yeah. But she takes a nap. And when she wakes up again, there's the other lady there and she's like, Oh, I'll go get the doctor. And they come in and say, Oh, sorry, there were some complications. We lost the baby, but don't worry, you can have more. So I don't know if that was like a flaw in the plan or what that was about, but. Um, maybe and, Guy was wanting to come clean, maybe. Any any, any pretense of redemption for Guy? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe there was some disagreement, but. Um, yeah, let's not spoil that before we get to the very end, although I'm sure everybody's figured it out by now. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the night or later, Rosemary, um, at first she seems like maybe she believes them or maybe she's just given up hope that she lost the battle. She couldn't protect her baby and they got it. Uh, but and then she hears a baby crying through the wall. Mm-hmm. And she eventually sneaks back into that closet that we talked about in the beginning of the episode, goes through to the Castavets room where she finds the Castavets are still in town. They're back or they never left. Guy is also there and many, many other people. Um, she yeah. finds a crib that's draped in black. Um, and there's She's holding a knife too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of important. She goes in there with a knife. Like, she's going to kill, I don't know if her plan is to kill whoever she finds or kill the baby. But, yeah, she goes in there with a knife. Good point, Justin. Um, Thank you. And she finds the crib. The crib is draped in black. It's like a gothic crib. And there's a (laughs) cross hanging, like one of those little dangly toys that babies like to watch. I didn't catch that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's upside down. Yeah, an upside down cross. (laughs) Like in babies' cribs, there's always like the planets or something cute mm-hmm. that spins around. And this in there, it's an inverted cross. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. So, um, so she she kind of everybody calms her down, and she makes her way over to the crib. She looks at the baby and just starts screaming about the baby's eyes. Now, this is where again, the subtlety of the movie is they never show the baby. The movie's called mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby, and you never see the baby, mm-hmm. because which is good, because if you had actually seen the baby, I don't know that they could have made it creepier than her response to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Logan Cassavet tells her probably the most famous line from the movie. He has his father's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they all start, he starts ranting about God, I don't know what all he's talking about. The baby's future, how it's the son of Satan and it's going to rise up and destroy Adrian. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Adrian. He's named it Adrian. Everybody starts screaming hell Satan. Now, before we get to the very end of the movie, what did you guys think about this part? Because to me, it's the only part of the movie that's kind of cheesy. Um, 
maybe in 1967 it was creepy, but to me it's kind of silly with all these old people going, Hell Satan! Hell Satan! <laughs> or, was so, it effective to you, or do, am I just desensitized? <laughs> I, um, I found it uh, to like be pretty jarring, I guess, because like even though you've known that characters have been doing things, um, when they actually like start praising Satan, there's like no, there's no doubt left, I guess. Um, not that there was any doubt at this point, but it's like, oh, they're outwardly, they're outwardly being Satanist kind of for the first time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, to see these characters that have been kind of kind and crazy at times and, and, and also like quite flamboyant at times, it was, it's kind of interesting to see them yelling hell satan at the end so yeah i liked it what about you mia oh yeah it was a bit cheesy i think it was it felt like the most kind of and what a like an interesting theme because the you know the charade is over they've kind of just dropped their act and just have fully embraced right that they're like a cult right and that Adrian, the devil's son, is right there. And so they're just no longer really lying to Rosemary. And so it was really weird because, you know, Rosemary's got the knife and she's there. Don't know what she's going to do with it. But, you know, it. and then her husband is there. So it was just a really crazy, weird scene. And then they start introducing people that I don't know to Rosemary. And I'm just like, what's going on? but yeah it's an it's an interesting scene yeah a couple things to point out is um one they're introducing people who are obviously from different countries which suggests that this coven extends even further than new york right it can mm -hmm. potentially stretch across the entire world but one thing i do like here is after you know the secret's out and nobody's pretending anymore everybody still has the same personalities like he yeah. still has the obnoxious voice. Logan is still mm -hmm. that kind of sophisticated gentleman. Uh, everybody is the same person. They just so happen to be involved in this cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even when they drop their kind of act, they're still they don't change their personalities really. Yeah, they're pretty much still the same people. But that brings us to the very end of the movie. So after they calm down with their hell satans. Um, guy tries to explain everything to rosemary he's like look they they promised me you wouldn't be hurt and you haven't been hurt right and you haven't actually been hurt um and look at all the benefits this has done for us and then she just spits in his face um <laughs> yes, he deserves great. much more he deserves yeah. <laughs> and she really spits in his face too there's no like editing or cut yeah. there like she actually spits in his face um but then the baby starts crying because the one annoying lady is rocking her too hard. And I, I love this ending. The ending to me is great because you can kind of see the conflict in Rosemary's eyes. Because on one hand, she's just expressed horror at her baby. Um, but she kind of starts wondering over, it's like, look, it's crying because you're rocking it too hard. And Logan comes over and says, like, well, why don't you rock the baby? And she does rock the baby and we see her face and it seems as though she's just accepting her role as the mother and then the movie ends what so, do you think about the ending the other piece that happens at the ending that stuck with me was the conversation she has with roman where it's um she says you want me to be its mother and his response is aren't you mm -hmm. and i was like ah that's good <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. How about you, Mel? Um, Yeah, it's like, it's very interesting because at one point, I really thought, you know, that she was going to lose it and she was going to go after the baby um, or after anybody. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. it her motherly instinct seems to take over, which is kind of still like very, it's kind of disturbing to me. Um, you know, but, with, but I feel so bad for Rosemary because like I had mentioned, there's no winning for her. She was going to lose the baby and this is the only way that she can keep the baby and it's still her baby. So it was just 
a strange and sad predicament she finds herself in. Yeah, it's a very, a very powerful ending, especially because you, you kind of see again with her being such a great actress, you see the struggle in her, and mm -hmm. you see without it ever having to be explicitly stated that she has just accepted the fact that well, this is my baby, um, and they yeah. also kind of flatter her too. There's some comparisons between her and Mary of the Bible. Oh. And her name is Rosemary. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, that she is the chosen mother. And they make a big deal out of that. Like he chose yeah. you to be the mother of his, his son. son. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a lot more. We could do another, another hour talking about some of the themes of this movie. And there's a lot about motherhood and a lot about uh, women's role in society and uh, all that stuff. So but we're we're running a little bit out of time. <laughs> so did we cover everything we want to say there about the ending? Anything else before we move on to the finale? Well, the movie was go ahead, Justin. No, I was just I I I liked it. I like how it came together at the end and it, yeah, I I think you you put it pretty well. So, yeah. Yeah. So the movie was uh uh, a success. It was a critical success. Um, I didn't look up the exact numbers, but I know it was a financial success as well. And over time, well, at the time it was nominated and actually won uh, many different awards. Mia Farrow did not win uh, an award for that, but the lady who played Minnie did. I think she won an Academy Award as like the best supporting actress for that. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so she got a couple of awards for it, which, yeah, she was good, but I, I feel like uh, Mia Farrow really should have gotten yeah. some sort of... I agree. This, but she was nominated for several, so... And since then, the movie has become a well-established as a classic. Um, as of right now, it has an 8, eight out of 10 on IMDb. is rated 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. In 2014, it was entered into the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. Uh, this movie is recognized by the government, so that's kind of fun. Uh, wow. Yeah. It kicked off a movement of, you know, satanic or occult-themed movies. There were a ton, a ton of ripoffs after this, and maybe it had so, probably had a lot to do with The Exorcist, you know, which became another huge movie several years later. But with that, we have a couple of announcements to make, but this, did we say everything we want to say about Rosemary's Baby? Any last thoughts we didn't touch on? So the one other thing I read about the movie um, is she was also going through ending, uh, going through a divorce with Frank Sinatra as they were filming because he had taught that he had essentially told her she could not continue acting if they were going to be married. And, um, she went on acting anyways, and uh, they divorced. So she might have not, uh, learned a thing or two of inspiration from her own life for dealing with a controlling husband. Yeah, I had read about that as well. And right, there are some interesting parallels there between herself and the character she was going to play, right? Hmm. Yep. That is interesting. Interesting. Well... With that, I guess it's time to go to our special announcement. Hooray. Uh, don't do it, Justin. I, 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 I caught myself. <laughs> <laughs> you started to. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's the Halloween season, everybody. I'm really excited. It's almost October, and we're going to kick it up a notch. In October, so far, we've been doing one podcast every two weeks, and in October, we're going to put out one every weekend that's there are five fridays in october and we are going to have five podcasts one for each week each podcast will be related to the halloween season somehow and our first one is going to be 2007's trick or treat by brian doherty one of my all-time favorite movies all right so awesome. everybody tune in everybody if you haven't seen that movie go watch it trick or treat that's the 2007 version not trick or treat the 1986 version starring gene simmons and ozzy osbourne um 
we considered doing both of those, but <laughs> I just thought it would be too confusing <laughs> to have two trick or treat <laughs> movies on the list. Uh, so go check that out. Follow along. Get excited for the Halloween season. It comes once a year. We all need in the world right now some fun times i think and yeah. any, anything else to say before we go are you guys excited for halloween yeah oh yeah definitely We've excited been about some direct uh, decorations huh. for the house yeah clemmy Qu- seems to be excited too it sounds like yeah. We have uh, awakened a monster in the background. Yeah, she's awake. <laughs> the Boston <laughs> which, Terrier. Which means it's probably a good time to say goodbye. So, everybody, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening along. This is Jared signing out. Justin, say goodbye. Goodbye. Mia, say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. <laughs> have a good afternoon. See you next time. Thanks. <laughs>